Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, November 16th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Today's show is also presented by the Dorchester Group. The Dorchester Group is a full-service real estate agency specializing in the sale of properties in the Boston area. What can they do for you? Well, the Dorchester Group assists individuals who currently own property, helping them come up with the best strategy to manage, improve, or dispose of it. They're here to help you maximize your return and protect you against developers who are looking to take advantage of you and your valuable property. These developers don't care about you or your neighborhood. All they care about is money and how they can make more of it when you're gone and your property is theirs. So do yourself a favor right now and put someone from the neighborhood in your corner. Call the Dorchester Group today, 617-869-4464. That's 617-869-4464. Go to their website, thedorchestergroupre.com. That's thedorchestergroupre.com. Maximize your return today with the Dorchester Group. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, November 16th. I did give you a bonus podcast on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, whenever you actually ended up getting to listen to that. So special thanks to Sports Illustrated's Justin Barrasso for joining me in studio for that bonus podcast. So in total this week, three podcasts. I give you one on Monday, reacting to week 10. Of course, the uh, wrestling podcast with Justin Barrasso that I just mentioned. We previewed Survivor Series and talked about some other things in the world of professional wrestling with Survivor Series being this Sunday night. And right now on this Thursday, November 16th, it is a football Thursday. So I will give you my picks for NFL Week 11. I'll also give you my DraftKings. Gotta have them play for Sunday's slate. I got a pretty good one for you. And um, you might be a little surprised as to where I'm going. And the, the, maybe the, the type of price tag that'll be on the guy that I'm telling you, you need to have. You gotta have in your DraftKings lineup on Sunday. But before we do get to that, before we get to some football, just to open up real quick here, uh, the Celtics in what is their biggest game of the season to this point tonight on this Thursday night. Now, by the time you listen to this show, perhaps the game is already over, but I'm recording on Thursday morning, so I have to mention it. The Celtics will host the Golden State Warriors on this Thursday evening. Uh, the Celtics, a seven and a half point dog at home, having won 13 straight. Have you ever seen a team that's won 13 straight games is playing a game looking for their 14th straight win in their own building and being a seven and a half point underdog? Never mind seven and a half point underdog, just an underdog in general. So, um,. I don't know that I've ever seen that, but it's because the Golden State Warriors are in town. The Warriors, they're looking for their eighth straight win. This is, like I said, the toughest challenge for this Celtics team. Uh, but, hey, Celtics looking for 14 straight. I'm not going to sit here and tell you and th- that the Celtics are going to win. I'm not going to guarantee a Celtics win uh, because they're at home or because they're on a roll. Look, Golden State, you know that. You know their talent. You know the the star power that they have. They average 120 points per game. 
I just think that, well, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee a win for the Celtics. I think they're going to put up a fight, and if it does look like maybe Golden State in the second half or in the third quarter maybe begins to pull away, because this game's at the Garden, I'm going to expect that there's some type of comeback to the point where the Celtics being a seven and a half point dog, I have to take the points in this one. I do. I got to take the points. And and again, not telling you that I'm guaranteeing the Celtics win. I just think for for no other reason, I'm expecting some type of comeback in the fourth quarter at the TD Garden if the Celtics do fall behind. So um, it's going to be a tough test for the Seas. If they lose this one, the season's not over. If they win and beat Golden State, Nobody's given the Celtics an NBA championship just yet. But um, some people looking at this game going, well, it could be an NBA Finals preview. Again, I'm not going there either, mainly because I think that when we do get around to playoff basketball, I still think Cleveland is going to be the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. So you're going to have to get by Cleveland before you even think about playing Golden State. So uh, there's a lot of basketball to be played, but certainly tonight on this Thursday night, it should be fun to watch. It's on TNT. It's at the TD Garden, and the Celtics are a seven-and-a-half-point dog going for their 14th straight win. So I'm going to take the points in this one. I don't know that the Celtics are going to win. I'm not telling you they they are going to win. I am telling you that they're going to cover the seven-and-a-half points. And if they don't, and that means they get blown out of their own building. I don't I don't expect that to happen. So I'll take the points. Take the Celtics plus seven and a half. So that's what we got with the C's. Um, uh, some other things going on in the world of sports outside of football, which again, I'll get to in just a moment. The hot stove report in Major League Baseball. As you know, I keep an eye on the Major League Baseball offseason. I keep a close eye on it, especially with regards to the Red Sox, especially when the Red Sox are in trade rumors for Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton's name has come up a lot over the last year and a half, two years. His name's going to come up again a lot this offseason until he is moved, if he is moved. Now, the latest reports with Giancarlo Stanton, and I'm going to speak from a Red Sox perspective, the latest reports on Giancarlo Stanton are not good. Are not good. Because the first report we saw was that the asking price the Marlins had to trade for Stanton was ridiculous, was outrageous. Uh, But I'm not surprised by that. I actually told you the asking price was going to be outrageous. Why wouldn't it be outrageous, right? It it should be outrageous. If you're Miami, if you're the Marlins, you should ask for a lot for Giancarlo Stanton. Look at the guy's power numbers. The guy's a beast. So, So you should ask for a lot. Now, put that aside for a second. Put the asking price aside and think about Giancarlo Stanton and his no trade clause. There was a report that came out that said Giancarlo Stanton does not want to come to Boston. He doesn't want to play for the Red Sox. And he doesn't want to go to St. Louis. That was another place that he didn't want to play. So those two teams, he didn't want to play in St. Louis, didn't want to play in Boston. And then (laughs) there was a report that he initially wasn't sold on Boston because of the cold weather. But now he's okay. And the reason he's okay is because his advisors are telling him he should entertain all possibilities and he should entertain the Red Sox because it's a big market draw and you'd be going to Boston and you'd be more than a ball player. You'd also have a lot of marketing opportunities, right? And I'll I'll tell you what, if his advisors are talking about marketing opportunities, 
then you can't rule out the Yankees either. You cannot rule out the Yankees in the Giancarlo Stanton sweepstakes. So there's a lot that still needs to take place. Giancarlo Stanton reportedly, his first preference is the Dodgers. He grew up in Southern California. Uh, The Dodgers are a team that obviously, you know, they are right there. Right there when it comes to how close they were to winning a championship. I mean, they're right there. So the Dodgers, if they could somehow work a deal for Stanton, that would be a great move for the Dodgers. That, and, and if you're Stanton and you do want to go to the West Coast and uh, you are a Southern California kid and you don't want to play in the cold weather, but you still want to play for a winner, well... You go to the Dodgers, it just seems like the best fit for him. It would be a great fit for the Dodgers, seeing how close they are to winning a championship. Um, But he really controls it, you know, with the no trade. And all this stuff that's come out, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, certainly doesn't make me sit here and go, oh yeah, do whatever you can to get Giancarlo Stanton. Right, do whatever you can. Give up whatever whatever they want to get a guy that initially doesn't even want to come play here. So that's not that's not a good report. Now that doesn't that doesn't make me just completely, you know, that doesn't make me hang the phone up on the Marlins. That doesn't make me uh, run away from a trade. But it certainly makes me think about their asking price and what I would give up for this guy who's under contract for the next ten years. He is an opt out in two thousand twenty, which you know I. At that point, I don't know if uh, if he would want to stay in Boston, even if you did trade from at that point. So, would it be worth it? What would you give up? I think the question now is, what would you give up knowing that initially he didn't really want to come here anyways, and, and it, his advisors had to tell him, no, 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 man. keep it keep it open. Keep it an open possibility to, to go to the Red Sox. You know, it's not, it's not something that you want to hear if you're Dave Dombrowski, but I don't think that, you just forget about him. I still think you need to be involved in that situation. It seems like a fluid situation. You need to make sure you know all the offers that are on the table. You need to stay involved in that. But I will stand firm on, on my take as to who, if you are going to make the blockbuster trade again, you know my preference. Number one, the Red Sox need to make additions without subtractions. That means signing Eric Cosma. That means bringing back Eduardo Nunez to play second base. Those are my additions. Without subtractions. You can do those things. You don't need to get rid of anybody. And you're still a team that is the reigning, defending, back-to-back American League East champion. Uh, That's my number one. But if you are going to get nuts, if you are going to go out and kick the tires on a blockbuster trade, you know, while everybody is so gung-ho on Giancarlo Stanton, then... Here's the way I'm going to look at it. If I'm Dave Dombrowski, I'm going to say, well, while everybody's focused on Stanton, I'm going to give the Nationals a call and see if Bryce Hopper is available. Now, recent reports suggest that the Nationals are willing to give Bryce Hopper the $400 million contract, and Scott Boris has even said, well, they'd, they'd be willing to, to accept it from the Nationals. They'd be willing to have that conversation right now. Bryce Hopper, going to be a free agent? After next season, so next year at this time, if he doesn't sign a deal this offseason with the Nationals, next year at this time, we'll be talking about Bryce Hopper being a free agent. And I'm sure that I'm sure that here with the Red Sox, we'll be talking about, uh, here in Boston, we'll be talking about, would the Red Sox make a play? Would they pony up the money for a kid in his mid-20s who's an absolute stud, who hits from the left side, who, who's just a beast? Bryce Hopper is a beast, right? So, um... We'll be talking about that, but but 
they can, the Nationals and Scott Boris, they can talk all they want about how, well, they, they, they'd like to get a deal done with them right now. Or they'd like, you know, they'd like the Nationals to extend that offer. They can go back and forth publicly all they want and talk about that. What's, what's the holdup then? If, if everybody is in such strong agreement that the Nationals want to sign them to a deal and that Boris, you know, and Hoppe are going to entertain it and maybe even sign something this offseason, what's the holdup? What are you waiting for? Like, if you're the Nationals, this is a no-brainer. You give Bryce Hopper the money that he wants, and if you don't, then he's going to walk. So they can talk all they want about how they're, they're ready to, to sign him, and it's going to be a mega contract. They can talk about it all they want. What's the holdup? Until I see Bryce Hopper sign on the dotted line, the Nationals extend the contract, and Bryce Hopper sign on the dotted line, I will not stop thinking about Bryce Hopper when it comes to a major blockbuster trade because if the Nationals do extend some type of offer and Bryce Hopper says, no, it's not going to happen, we want more than that, and the Nationals aren't going to give it, or the Nationals get any type of thought that he could walk next offseason, you have to entertain a trade right now. I mean, it would, only, it would be stupid not to. So that's why if I'm Dave Dombrowski, while everybody's so focused on Giancarlo Stanton, maybe you sneak... Sneak in the back door with the Washington Nationals and say, hey, you know, what do we got for Bryce Hopper? What do you have with Bryce Hopper? And can we get a deal done? At least kick the tires on it. Again, if you're looking to make that type of move, I don't, obviously they're involved in the Stanton stuff. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think Dave Dombrowski should be involved in everything. Every big name that's available, the Red Sox should be involved in that. But I'm not saying you have to pull the trigger on a deal, especially if the asking price is too outrageous. I'm just telling you, I'd be more willing to give up an outrageous asking price for Hoppe than I would Stanton. Especially now hearing that Stanton originally doesn't even want to play in Boston, right? So um, I'll keep you updated on the Stanton stuff. But if I had to put my money on where Stanton does end up, I mean, if his advisors are telling him, to think about the marketing perspective to play in a big city. The fact that Derek Jeter ultimately is running the show in Miami, and I would think has the final say, um, I wouldn't rule out the Yankees. I wouldn't. So if he's going to go to the big market and stay in the East Coast, I'd put my money on, on Stanton ending up in pinstripes. If he is dead set on going to the West Coast or going to play somewhere warm that's a winner, then I'd say Dodgers. So I... If you put a gun in my head right now, I'd say that Stanton ends up either in L.A. with the Dodgers or he ends up with the Yankees. I think it's one of the, one of those two teams. I really do. So um, we'll see how it all plays out. Anything that happens with Stanton, any news that comes out, I'll react to it. Uh, even Bryce Hopper. I, again, the, to- the conversations and the reports with Hopper are only about the Nationals and Boris and a potential mega contract and how both sides are seemingly willing to sign it, I guess. But um, until it's signed, you know, and and the less that I hear about Bryce Hopper and a potential trade actually makes me sort of believe that he he is going to get dealt this winter. Like, we're going to go on Twitter one day, and it's just going to be, there's going to be no report Nationals talking to this team about a deal. It's going to be straight up just report Bryce Hopper traded to Team X. That, that's what it's going to be. And 
I just think that the potential is there for that type of move to happen, to get done, especially where everybody is so focused on Stanton right now. Maybe the Nationals say, this is good. You know, gives us some time, gives us some space, gets the media off our backs. We can work with something without sources and everything leaking out. You know, I, I, I just think it would make sense for the Nationals to entertain it because until... Until Bryce Hopper and the Nationals, until I see a report that they have signed a mega contract extension, then I'm not going to believe he's returning there. And if the Nationals don't believe he's returning after next season, after this coming season, then they have to entertain a trade for him right now. So um, I'd, I'd keep an eye on that name as well. So keep an eye on Stanton. Keep an eye on Hopper. Anything that happens in the Major League Baseball hut stove, I will react to it on this show. But again, it's a football Thursday, so why don't we get into it? Uh, NFL Week 11 begins Thursday night football, Tennessee in Pittsburgh. The Steelers is a seven-point favorite on Thursday night football, and Week 11 ends with Atlanta in Seattle on Monday night football. Seattle, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Fourteen games on the schedule in Week 11. Four teams have a bye Those four teams are Carolina, Indianapolis, the New York Jets, and the San Francisco 49ers. And this is the last week where we will see teams have a bye. So this is the last week of the bye portion of the NFL schedule. Uh, Beginning in week 12, no more byes. And we will get 16 games every single week from here on out after week Number 11. So that's what we got nationally here locally in New England. We have our focus on the Patriots as a seven-point favorite in Mexico City to take on the Oakland Raiders. Now, technically, this is a home game for Oakland, but it's at a neutral site. So if you're the Patriots, you'll take it, right? You'll take it. But it's better than going to Oakland. You know, when it comes to home field advantage, and I don't know what the I don't know what the fans I don't know who's rooting for who at this game. I really don't. But um, you know, if you're the Patriots, I assume it's better than actually going to Oakland and playing a road game in Oakland. It sucks if you're the Raiders because this is one of your home games. Like, can you imagine if this ended up being one of the Patriots' home games and you had to go to Mexico City and where they would all, then they would only play with seven home games, seven games at Gillette Stadium? That would be horrible. So, if you're the Patriots, you'll take it. It's a road game, but it's only a road game because you're not playing at Gillette. It's not a road game because you're playing in Oakland. You're not playing in Oakland. You're playing in Mexico City. So, uh, the Patriots, seven-point favorite in this one. We have our eyes on some injuries. Chris Hogan, uh, Marcus Cannon. Um, You know, you're always keeping your eye on, on Danny Amendola and his injury status. I think as the weeks go on in a long season, Martellus Bennett. You know, what's his injury status going to be here moving forward? So we'll keep an eye on those things. But that locally, that's what we're focused on. I mean, this should be a much more glorified game. Like, this should be a game between two of the top seeds in the AFC. I think that's what a lot of us thought this was going to be coming into the season. But here are the Oakland Raiders, a game under 500, entering Week 11 with the 4-5 and five record. If the playoffs began today, you know, the Raiders... They're on the outside looking in, right? They're on the outside looking in. The Patriots are the two seed at 7-2 and two in the AFC behind the one seed Steelers at 7-2. and two. But this should be a game that I think maybe more people should be talking about. It should be pumped up a little bit more than it is. The reason it's not is because Oakland 
they have disappointed this season. But, um, you know, I'm going to get more into the Patriots with my picks. I, I Just to tease them, I do have the Patriots Raiders game with my picks. So I'll get to that in just a few. Let's get back to some of the national storylines and how the playoff picture is shaping up because towards the end of the season, this is a, a little game that I like to play every single week. If the playoffs began today... So let's do it. I mean, I have the playoffs in front of me right now, the playoff seedings. If the playoffs began today, entering week 11 in the NFL, in the AFC, Pittsburgh and New England would get the buys. Pittsburgh, the one seed. Patriots, the two seed. Um, they play each other. Pittsburgh and the Patriots. I mean, that could be for the one seed. That game in week 15 in Pittsburgh, that could be for the one seed in the AFC, right? It could be. So... You got Pittsburgh, the one seed. Patriots, the two seed. Kansas City, the three seed at six and three. They would be hosting the six seed Buffalo Bills at five and four. So Buffalo would be going to Kansas City in the wild card round if the playoffs began today. The fourth seed in the AFC is Tennessee at six and three. At least as I record this, they are with Thursday Night Football not having been played yet while I record this. Tennessee, six and three, the fourth seed. They'd be hosting the Five seed Jacksonville Jaguars, who is six and three, and on the outside looking in the AFC, Baltimore at four and five, Oakland at four and five, Miami at four and five, the Jets at four and six. I think you can draw a line underneath the Jets. I don't think Houston's getting in. Since he's not getting in, none of those other teams are going to get in. But um, you know, if you're Baltimore at four and five, Oakland at four and five, even Miami at four and five, and the Jets at four and six, they still get a chance. They still get a chance to get in. It's not as deep as the NFC. The AFC talent pool towards the, you know, in the wild card of that six seed with the Bills at five and four and down to the seven, eight, nine, ten seeds at four and five or four and six. You know, the AFC is not as deep as the NFC. So that's the way the AFC looks. The NFC, Philly's the one seed at eight and one. Minnesota's the two seed at seven and two. So Philly and Minnesota would get the bye in the first round. The Saints are the three seed right now at seven and two. They would host the Seattle Seahawks at six and three. Seahawks, the six seed, would be going to New Orleans in the wild card round. And then the four seed LA Rams at seven and two. They would be hosting the five seed Carolina Panthers at seven and three. Carolina would be going to LA to take on the Rams in the wild card round. On the outside, looking in, this is where it's a lot deeper than the AFC. Atlanta at 5-4, and four, Detroit at 5-4. Five, five and four. Uh, You got Dallas at 5-4. and four. I'm going to rule out Green Bay because they don't have Aaron Rodgers, and I could see the Packers falling off, though. I don't know that it's going to happen this week against Baltimore, but uh, I don't expect the Packers to get in. Washington's at 4-5. and five. They might put up a little bit of a fight towards the end of the year here, down the, down the final stretch. Arizona, uh, now their top two quarterbacks are down. I don't expect them to get in. So I expect the NFC to be a dogfight between Carolina, Seattle, Atlanta, Dallas, and Detroit. So that's why the NFC is a little bit deeper than than the AFC. Um, so that's the way the playoff look. The playoffs look. If the playoffs begin today, that's that's how they would look. All right, and so. Sticking with the NFC, I guess, you got a couple huge games this weekend. The Rams are in Minnesota, and this is a big stretch for the Rams when it comes to tiebreaker implications. The number one tiebreaker is head-to-head, is head-to-head. So the Rams are in Minnesota this Sunday. 
I just told you, the Rams are the four seed at seven and two. The Vikings are the two seed at seven and two. So the winner of this game is going to hold that huge head-to-head tiebreaker over the other team. But for the Rams, they're in Minnesota this week. Next week, they're at home against New Orleans, the three seed. I told you, they're seven and two. So you get the Vikings at seven and two, the Saints at seven and two, and the Rams at seven and two. And the Rams play the Vikings this week and the Saints next week. So, uh, I mean, hey, the Rams control their own destiny to a first-round bye. As crazy as that sounds, it could happen. It could. So, a huge game. Rams in Minnesota. Uh, Again, the tiebreaker implications on the line. I mentioned New Orleans. Speaking of New Orleans, New Orleans and Philly have the longest active win streaks in the league at seven games. They've each won seven straight games. New Orleans hosts Washington. Philly is in Dallas for Sunday Night Football. Speaking of Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott has withdrawn his appeal, which means that he will serve the full six-game suspension, and that means he'll return in Week 16 against the Seattle Seahawks, which, if I'm doing my math correctly, just out loud right now, I have Ezekiel Elliott on my fantasy football team, so that means, and I know you don't give a shit about that, but hey, I'm just thinking out loud, that means he'll be returning in what, the championship? That's the championship? Week 16? I gotta get there first. I know. And if you have him, you gotta get there first too. But that's good. that could either be a good or a bad, that either could be a great thing or an awful thing if you have him on your fantasy football team. Uh, but Ezekiel Elliott... He served one game already, and now he's going to have to serve five more because he has withdrawn his appeal. And because of all this Ezekiel Elliott madness, Jerry Jones has been very outspoken, sort of coming down on the commissioner, crushing the commissioner, even to the point where it seems like he is out there trying to make sure the rest of the owners don't agree to a Roger Goodell contract extension which is the complete opposite tune that Jerry Jones was singing during the Flategate, right? But uh, because of all this, and because of all the things Jerry Jones is saying or at least trying to do, the league, the NFL has sent Jerry Jones a letter. And in this letter, they are saying that his conduct is detrimental, detrimental to the league. So the NFL is saying that Jerry Jones' conduct is detrimental to the league. They sent a letter to his attorney. So this is going to get interesting. I don't know where this one's going. I really don't. I mean, I talked about on the last show, Roger Goodell's c- contract demands, right? Where he wants $50 million a year, and that $50 million a year isn't enough where he could go buy his own private jet or where he could go out and afford health insurance for his entire family. He wants those two things into his contract. That was his counterproposal. Guy's a buffoon. I can't stand the guy. I hope he doesn't sign a contract extension. But uh, so with that regard, I do agree with Jerry Jones still because um, he is putting up such a stink. Now the NFL's upset. So we'll see where the story goes. Maybe it goes nowhere. If I had to put my money, it it probably ends up going nowhere. Roger Goodell probably signs an extension. We all move on when Ezekiel Elliott gets back in week 16. But, um, you know, I'm sure Dallas is also keeping an eye on the Atlanta-Seattle game on Monday Night Football which you could argue is maybe game of the week with regards to playoff implications for that wild card, final wild card spot. Atlanta is in Seattle. Right now, Seattle is the sixth seed. So Atlanta's on the outside looking in. Seattle's six and three. Atlanta's five and four. 
And uh, again, you get that head-to-head tiebreaker. Ownership of the head-to-head tiebreaker, which is the number one tiebreaker. So uh, not only does Dallas have their eyes on that game, Monday Night Football, but I will too. And just a couple other storylines around the league. Buffalo, bringing it back to the AFC, Buffalo has decided to bench quarterback Tyrod Taylor. And they are going to start rookie quarterback Nathan Peterman, who is, what, a fifth-round pick in this year's draft? The Bills are in L.A. against the Chargers. And the Bills, if the playoffs began today, they're in the playoffs, which is why this move, this change, seems a little strange. Tyrod Taylor's only thrown three interceptions this season. They just got whooped by New Orleans in Buffalo. But, I mean, the Bills' defense at home let up 40-something points. So, who, where should you be sending the message to? The offense or the defense? I wouldn't be making this move. Then again, I have no idea what Nathan Peterman's going to look like. So, I guess let's see it play out maybe before we come down with the, the final verdict as to whether or not this was a good or a bad decision. But if you, I mean, if, if I was running the Bills... I wouldn't be making this change. I know you're only a game above 500, but you are in the playoffs. And, you know, you're in L.A. You're taking on a Chargers team that, I mean, look, you went to it. The Bills went to Atlanta this year and won. You can win in Atlanta. If you go in Atlanta, you can win L.A. against the Chargers. You can. And and I just feel like the best shot to win in L.A. against the Chargers is with the quarterback that's been your quarterback all season long that obviously has some pretty good playmaking ability. Uh, So if I'm the Bills, I would not be making this move. But Bills are going to do what the Bills are going to do. And I assume that this weekend Cleveland's going to do what Cleveland is going to do, which is probably lose again. Cleveland, the only winless team in the league at 0-9. They will host the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't see the Jaguars losing that game, or at least I do not see Cleveland putting up big points against Jacksonville's defense, which is one of the best defenses in football, if not the best defense in all of football. So that is what Week 11 looks like in a nutshell, and it's time to get to my picks, right? Why why wait? Why hold it off? Let's get to the picks, and uh, to begin the picks, I'll give you my DraftKings, gotta have them play for Sunday. Last week, and I gave you Ben Roethlisberger. He got you 19, 20 points. Didn't end up being an awful pick, but with with the expectations that I had and that a lot of people had for what Pittsburgh should have done in Indianapolis against the worst defense in football, you know, it's it, it ended up not being a good pick because we all expected Roethlisberger to be somewhere close to 30 points seeing the defense he was going up against. Um, so it wasn't a horrible pick at the end of the day, but I got to be better than that. I'm striving to be better than that. And that's why this week's DraftKings play is going a little bit outside the box, more so than I usually do with these picks. I usually give you a big money guy, right? Usually I'm giving you, um, somebody that's top five money guy at their respective position. Not this week. Before I give you that play, I got to remind you. Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free with my promo code PICK, P-I-C, with football season in full swing. It begs the question, how is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee. Or hey, maybe you have Ezekiel Elliott on your team and he's currently serving a six-game suspension. Well, the good news is it's not too late to forget the injuries and the suspensions, and get back on the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. The best part is 
You get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code PICK, that's P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this is Sunday. And when you do that, here's who you got to have in your DraftKings lineup. It's Rex Burkhead. That's right, Rex Burkhead of the New England Patriots mainly because he's only going to cost you 3600 bucks, 3600 that's it, for Rex Burkhead. So even if this ends up being a bust, I know the Patriots go to different targets, different weapons. You know, they got multiple running backs that they could use in different situations. James White, Deion Lewis. Um, you know, you, you want to get back to Gillisley, maybe? I don't know. And also now Rex Burkett in the mix. They could go so many different directions. It is a dangerous play. It's a dangerous pick if Rex Burkhead was going to cost you six, seven thousand bucks. He's not. He's only costing you three thousand six hundred. And Burkhead has had fifteen DraftKings points in each of the last two weeks. He's either going to get rushes or he's going to get his targets in the passing game, or maybe even both this week. This Sunday, Mexico City against the Oakland Raiders. You can run on the Raiders. Um, you can score on the Raiders. You can pass on the Raiders. I don't think this is an impossible matchup for the New England Patriots offense. Tom Brady, by the way, is the most expensive quarterback for Sunday's slate. So, obviously expecting him to have a big day in the passing game. And the way I've seen Rex Burkhead be used in recent weeks is... Tom Brady likes throwing the football, whether it's in the slot, you know, whether it's a little dump off, whether it's going over the middle, you know, just tossing it to him down underneath. Uh, Rex Burkhead is somebody that is gaining the trust of Tom Brady. And before he went down with an injury, you go back to that New Orleans game. What was it, week two in New Orleans? That was looking like it was going to be the Rex Burkhead game in the first half. And he got hurt. And so... We haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of Rex Burkhead, though in the last couple weeks, I'm going to mention 15 DraftKings points for Burkhead in each of the last two weeks. I just think that there's something going on with him, and I think he could become one of the Patriots' most dangerous weapons in the passing game, and we could see more of that Sunday against the Oakland Raiders. Once again, even if Burkhead doesn't produce, it's only going to cost you 3600 So it's not the end of the world. You could still have a good week in DraftKings and win some money. But I do think this is amazing value for a guy who obviously, seemingly, makes the Patriots a better team, makes him a better offense. And you can see that, and you can see the trust that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have in him. And... um that's that's it. I mean, Rex Burkhead, it's a great value. I think it's a great play. And Rex Burkhead is my DraftKings. Gotta have him play for Sunday's slate. Which brings me to Picks Picks for week number 11. I went 2-3 and three last week in week 10. My record now on the season is 23-25-2. and two, 23 wins, 25 losses, and 2 pushes. Let's get back to 500. Even better, let's get back above 500. Shall we hit the music? Picks Picks for Week 11. Brought to you by Ghost in the Machine Tattoo Paula. Ghost in the Machine Tattoo is Boston's premier tattoo studio. Boasting some of the finest talent in New England. Whether you're looking for large custom body work or a classic walk-in tattoo, Ghost in the Machine Tattoo has you covered. Ghost in the Machine Tattoo is led by Eric Reith, who's internationally recognized for his work. So give Eric and the rest of his artists a call right now at 617-562-4089. 
That's 617-562-4089. Or again, just walk right in and tell them you want to get inked up. And when you do that, make sure you tell them I sent you. Ghost in the Machine Tattoo Parlor, 571 Washington Street in Brighton. Pick number one for week 11. It's the Kansas City Chiefs as a 10.5-point favorite on the road. They're at MetLife to take on the New York Giants. The Chiefs are 6-3. They're coming off their bye week, and they go up against a Giants team that's 1-8. That's in a very bad place. Uh, The Giants just lost to the San Francisco 49ers, which, as you know, is a horrible loss because it was San Fran's first win of the season. And maybe the fact that this game is at MetLife, maybe it scares you away a little bit, but... Fear not, the G-Men are 0-4 in their own building this season. Another thing that might scare you, though, is that because the Giants are so bad and because they're in such a bad place, jobs are now on the line, right? Jobs are on the line with the Giants. And with the high spread and this game being at MetLife, maybe all of those things combined scare you away, but... Where I get my confidence back is that Kansas City, they just have this big play ability with guys like Hill, with guys like Kareem Hunt. I'm expecting a couple big plays in this one to the point where I'm expecting Kansas City to give the Giants, I'm expecting the Chiefs to give the Giants a beatdown, to be quite honest with you. And uh, the Chiefs, even though they've lost three of their last four games, again, with that, they're still the number three seed in the AFC. I just think that... The Chiefs' best football is ahead of them, and that should begin Sunday against the Giants at MetLife. I think Kansas City wins this one by 13. I'll take the Chiefs minus 10.5. Dan, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers, a two-point dog at home. The Packers at Lambeau, a two-point underdog. How is this possible, you ask? Well, it's because Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback for the Packers right now. As you know, he is out. He is hurt, and he's out for the rest of the season. As long as Brent Huntley is going to be their quarterback, I just think that Huntley means the Packers will be an underdog most of the time, even if it's at home. But this one surprises me a little bit because it's not like the Packers are playing a powerhouse at Lambeau. It's the Baltimore Ravens. A Baltimore Ravens team that is a game under 500. The Ravens are four and five. Now, both the Ravens and Packers, if the playoffs began today, they'd both be in the outside looking in. I just think this one, I'm going to consider this one a pick them. All right, it's a two-point spread. The Packers are at home. The Ravens are not a powerhouse. I'm going to go with the home team in this one. To, just to, to be honest and tell you this is why I'm picking them, I, I, I just look at it as a pick them, and I'll take the team at Lambeau in mid-November. That's it. I just like the home team. The Packers, here's what they're doing. They are coming off a win over the Chicago Bears. Baltimore lost to the Bears in Baltimore earlier this season. Baltimore's coming off the bye. They get a little extra time to prepare for Green Bay, who again just beat the Bears last week. But uh, I just don't think Green Bay is going to lose this one at home. If Green Bay was playing maybe anybody else, I would take anybody else. But they're playing Baltimore. I don't have that much confidence in the Ravens. Uh, Now, the Ravens have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Packers do. But because this is at Lambeau, I'm just, I'm not scared of taking Green Bay here. And and I'm certainly not scared of taking them as an underdog. Give me the Packers plus two over Baltimore at Lambeau. Then I'm taking the Denver Broncos as a two and a half point favorite over the Cincinnati Bengals. This one is in Denver. So the Broncos at home 
And, you know, they're having a tough season. They're 3-6. and six. They began the season 3-1. and one. They have a quarterback change. They're now going with Brock Osweiler. Um, they're closer to the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft than they are a playoff spot. So, again, a tough season for the Broncos. And it's been a tough couple weeks. Brock Osweiler is going to make his third start of the season for the third straight week. But he's got whooped. The Broncos have been whooped by the Eagles and the Patriots in back-to-back weeks. The Eagles killed them two weeks ago. The Patriots beat them bad. You saw it last week on Sunday Night Football. So um, I don't think anybody feels good about the Denver Broncos. I just have a tough time believing the Broncos are going to lose back-to-back weeks in their own building. I think they've been embarrassed now two straight weeks. They gotta have some sense of pride at home. I just think Denver's way too talented on both sides of the football, both offensively and defensively, to 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 lose in their own building back-to-back weeks. And again, they're playing Cincinnati. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're no good this season. They're also three and six. So I don't think Cincinnati's gonna go in there and whoop Denver. To me, with the two and a half point spread, this is kind of a pick 'em. I could see the Broncos winning by three points, and that would get me a win in this game. But if I do go back to the Broncos-Patriots game on Sunday Night Football, there's one thing that I did see. If you're a Broncos fan, that you one thing you saw that you should like, it's that Brock Osweiler does have chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders, and I think that's going to continue to build to the point where this one being in Denver, again, just the Broncos too talented on both sides of the football. I just think they're going to snap their losing skid and they're going to do it against this Bengals team. What have the, the Broncos, what have they lost now? Five straight? They have. They've lost five straight games right now. So um, I think they'll snap that, and they'll do it at home against the Bengals. I'm taking the Broncos minus two and a half at home over Cincy. Then I teased this a little bit earlier. I'm taking the New England Patriots, a seven-point favorite over the Oakland Raiders. I get it, Mexico City. It's not an ideal location for the Patriots on Sunday, but at least it'll be a neutral site in a game that's supposed to be a road game, right? You'd rather have it here than in Oakland, wouldn't you? So if you're the Patriots, you'll take it. The Patriots are seven and two. They're a perfect four and oh on the road this season. And they're coming off that beatdown that I just told you about. They beat the Broncos 41-16. It was the Patriots' fifth straight win. The Raiders, meanwhile, they're coming off their bye week. And they've won two of their last three. They've been playing some better football as of late with Derek Cobb back from his injury. Um, but Oakland's been a major disappointment this season. And uh, look, this could be a high-scoring affair. I just think it's a high-scoring affair that sees the Patriots maybe get the last laugh and you might think to yourself well if they get the last laugh and it's a seven point spread and maybe they win on a final drive with a field goal or a touchdown that's not going to cover for you best case scenario it's a touchdown and an extra point and you push with the seven but um i don't know i think maybe the patriots could be up by three points and then they have a final drive late that separates them from the Raiders and makes it a 10-point game. I think that's perfectly possible. I told you I think it's going to be a big one for Rex Burkhead. And so all of those things factored in. I don't think the Patriots are going to lose to Oakland. The question here would be, do they win by more than seven, seeing that Oakland has won two of their last three? They are playing some better football. They do have a lot of talent, at least on the offensive end. Um, uh, and, and the Patriots, you know, they, they are a little banged up. So I, I'm just I'm looking at the Patriots. I'm seeing how good they are on the road. 
I'm seeing that this isn't going to be in Oakland. Maybe if it was in Oakland, I feel a little differently about it. I'm just going to take the Patriots minus seven. So I take them to win. I take them to cover. New England minus seven over the Raiders in Mexico City. And then my fifth and final pick, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys, a four-point underdog. And this one is in Dallas. This is Sunday Night Football. And they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. I get it. The Philadelphia Eagles are 8-1. and And they've won seven straight. And this is a huge game. I get that the Dallas Cowboys do not have Ezekiel Elliott. He's serving his six-game suspension. Even without Elliott, though, I wouldn't be calling this an easy game for Philadelphia. One, it's a divisional game. And you know how sometimes these things can be a lot more difficult against an in-division rival, even if it's an in-division rival that's at the bottom of the division, right? Well, Dallas is still pretty good. Dak Prescott can still make some big plays. Obviously, the Elliott suspension hurts the Cowboys, but I think what hurts the Cowboys maybe more than anything was the loss of their left tackle last week against Atlanta. Atlanta, they beat Dallas last week. But, um, you know, if they can get the left tackle back, that's going to help Dak Prescott make some big plays because one stat that does surprise me about the Philadelphia Eagles, it's not their run defense. Philly's run defense is number one in the league. They allow 66 rush yards per game. So even if Elliott was playing in this game, Maybe he wouldn't even have a big game because you haven't been able to run on Philly this year. One thing that surprised me about the Eagles, though, is that their pass defense is one of the worst in football. The Eagles' pass defense, they allow 249 pass yards per game. So Dak Prescott, the the ability to make plays on his end, he's gonna be able he's gonna be able to make some plays throwing the football downfield against this Philadelphia team, especially being at home in Dallas. So uh, this seems like with Ezekiel Elliott out with a suspension, the Cowboys being 5-4 and four, on the outside looking in at a playoff spot in a in what's going to be a dogfight for those final two wildcard spots in the NFC. The Cowboys are in a desperate situation right now in a game that I think they'll be able to throw the football if they can just block and, and give Dak Prescott a little bit more time in the pocket than they gave him last week against Atlanta, I just think that the Cowboys not only can cover, but I think they can win this game at home. It would shock a lot of people in the NFL because the Cowboys don't have Elliott for this one. I get it. But, um, uh, hey, my pick isn't to win. My pick is the points. I'll take the Cowboys plus four at home as an underdog at home. And um, if they win, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't be surprised. But ultimately, my pick here with Picks Picks is just with the spread. So I am taking the Cowboys plus four over the Eagles in Dallas on Sunday night football. My picks for week 11 in the NFL, Kansas City minus 10.5, Green Bay plus two, Denver minus 2.5, New England minus seven, and Dallas Plus four, again, picks, picks for week 11, presented by Ghost in the Machine Tattoo Parlor. Go to their website, ghostinthemachinetattoo.com, to check out some of their work and some pictures of the new shop on Washington Street in Brighton. Ghost in the Machine Tattoo is Boston's premier tattoo studio, boasting some of the finest talent in New England, and they're led by Eric Reith, who is internationally known for his work. So give Eric and the rest of his artists a call right now at 617-562-4089. That's 617-562-4089. I'll go right in and tell him you want to get inked up and make sure you tell him 
I sent you Ghost in the Machine Tattoo Parlor, 571 Washington Street in Brighton. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back on Monday to break it all down in the NFL. Also react to any of the hot stove trade rumors or free agent signings in Major League Baseball. Uh, The GM meetings were this week, so I'm sure some things could be happening over the weekend. Whatever does happen, I will react to it. Same thing with the Celtics. The Bruins? Eh, The Bruins don't really have much juice right now. They're not really on anybody's radar. So I kind of feel like maybe I'd be wasting your time if I got to some Bruins on this show. So I'm not going to do it. Monday, I'll also react to Survivor Series. I'll be watching Survivor Series Sunday night. I'll react to all of it on Monday. Get this show whenever you want. DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. Also part of the Podcast One network follow me on twitter facebook all forms of social media have a great weekend everybody i'm out talk to you on monday